Do we trust Him when He doesn't move the mountains? When He doesn't part the waters like we were sure wanting Him to? Do we continue to trust Him during those times? I would urge you to encourage you to trust Him. When that mountain steps up into your life and it doesn't seem to want to move and you want God to move it and yet God being sovereign, He chooses not to move it. When you're looking for a direction in life and he wants to, and you want the path to be a little clearer and it doesn't seem like he wants to part those waters if you would. But we know he's sovereign and what do we do when those things happen in our lives? We trust him. We trust him and we trust him. We serve an awesome God, do we not? He has an awesome plan for your life. We need to find that plan, don't we? We've been looking the last couple weeks about God is. And we've been looking at some of his attributes. And an attribute is something that is who God is. It will never change. It will never run out. It is 100% God that will never, ever, ever go away. It is who He is. And we've looked at last couple of weeks, God is holy. He is 100% holy. We've looked at God is faithful. He is 100% faithful. He will never, ever, ever go, oh, I no, I forgot about it, no. He is faithful to what he says he will do. He is 100% good, is he not? In every situation, he is good. Even when the mountains don't move and the rivers don't part, God is 100% good. He is 100% all-powerful. There is nothing that God cannot do. The Bible says there is nothing too big, nothing impossible for God. That will never change. He is 100% all-powerful. He is 100% unchanging. He never changes. His word never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will never change. His promises will never change. It is who he is. He is unchangeable. He will not come up at the end of time and say, well, you know, this this Jesus Christ thing, I was just kind of kidding about that. I didn't really mean that, and and I'm going to let... Let all of you into heaven. Or maybe none of you are going to get there. No, he's not going to change that. He is 100% unchanging. He is 100% all-knowing. He knows it all, does he not? He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. He knows the good, the bad about anything, everything. We talked about he knows, he knows the temperature of the planet Pluto. He knows what's beyond the universe. He knows the smallest cell in your body. He knows everything about you and this world and this universe. And that will never change. And the beautiful part about that is, he still loves you. And he sent his son to die on the cross for you. It don't get no better than that right there. We also know God is 100% sovereign. That's what we're going to look at today. God is sovereign. Uh, Jerry, open us up with a prayer, would you please, buddy?
Thank you, Jerry. In the 1930s, Adolf Hitler was beginning to expand his military. And we all know what happened there. As, as he was expanding his military, uh, the prime minister of England was a guy by the name of Stanley Baldwin. And Stanley Baldwin didn't really want to deal with uh, uh, what was going on in the world. Uh, he was too busy wanting to appease and not to challenge. And he just kind of just let everything kind of go. And it's, it, it's probably better to just to stick your head in the sand and, and not really know what's going on. And yet uh, Winston Churchill was there. He was not prime minister yet. But he constantly was, was talking about and talking to Parliament and, and Baldwin. And he keeps asking the question, who's in charge of this clattering train? Who's in charge of the train? Who's going to do something about it? Who's going to step up and be in control? That's a very good question sometimes, isn't it? Who's in charge? Who's in control? And we hear it spoken about in our homes. Who's, who's in our control of our homes? Is it, is it our kids who's running the household? I hope not, but some places. Is it the parents who's running the homes? Is it the government trying to tell the parents how to run their homes? Who's in control of your home? We hear it about education uh, who's, who's in charge of your education of your kids? Is it administration? Is it teachers? Is it school board? Is it government trying to tell school boards what they can teach? Who is in control there? Who's, who is in charge there? I got to thinking about uh, not this past summer, but summer uh, a year ago, and, and we saw the riots in, in America. And as towns and cities were being burned and looted, and, and the thought always kept coming into my mind, who, who's in charge of that place? Who's in charge of that city? Who, who's got control of that? And it was like almost nobody did. Sometimes we hear about our own government right now, who is running things up there. And we wonder who is in control. We read about Russia and China who are flexing their muscles even as we speak to let people know that they would like to be in control of this, this old world. And will they ever be able to do that? But you know, we read in the Bible that one day there's going to be someone that will gain control, if you will, over this old world. And his name is, well, I don't know his name, but I know his title. His name is the Antichrist. Who will come to this world and he will proclaim world peace. I'm in control. He will say, I will stamp out world hunger. I can do this, he would say. I can deal with the climate issues of the days. I will deal with the energy issues of the days. If he, I will be in control and I will take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. And he will rise up in the world and the world will say, man, you're the, you're the savior of the world. And one day he will sit on the throne of, of uh, King David in Jerusalem and he will declare himself God. You see, it's important that we know who is in control. Because it will look really cool like he knows what he's doing and yet we'll find in just a sh short time right there that he has nothing to do about peace and love but about destruction of this old world. It's important that we know who's in control. The word sovereign means unlimited power and authority. 
It means God is in control of everything. He is in control of everything. There is no one, nothing higher than He is. And believe it or not, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, He has a plan for our lives. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for this world's life. And He is working that plan. And no matter what, you need to understand this, no matter what's going on in this world, no matter what people are doing, what people think, what, the, what direction they're wanting to go, God has a plan, and He has told us His plan in His Word, has He not? And He has told us that within some time in the near future, I think nearer than farther, I think one day we're going to see the rapture. And He is looking at this old world, and He said, I've already got this planned out. I'm, here's what's going on in the world at this time. He said, I'm going to tell you what people are going to be like and what they're going to be thinking. And he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen one of these days. And it's going to be a rapture. There's going to be Jesus descending from heaven with a shout, the Bible says. And there's going to be the, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God is going to sound. And one of these days, we're going to be out of that grave. and We're going to meet him in the air to live with him forever and forever. That's not just something that just might happen. That is something that you can take to the bank. It's written in God's word and it will happen. You see why? Why? He's got a plan for that. He knows exactly what he's going to be doing. After the, after the rapture, we, we read about the tribulation. Seven years where God pours his wrath out upon the people that remain on this whole earth. At the end of seven years, what happens? Christ comes back, the Bible says, and finishes off at the bar, battle of Armageddon. Where the Bible says for the, the sword that comes out of his mouth destroys the enemies of of the world. What a great time that will be after that after that uh, that tribulation period, that plan that he has. He also has another plan. And that plan says in the millennium there'll be a thousand year reign here on this earth of almost perfection. Almost perfection. And at the end of that thousand years God said, I'm I'm gonna what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna just unleash Satan for just a short period of time. And after that short period of time, he too is, is bound and thrown into the lake of fire. We read about the, the millennium and that thousand years, and then we read after the millennium, he's still got a plan for those that have never, ever believed in Jesus Christ, those who have rejected him. And the Bible says that if those who have rejected him, at that point in time, there will be what's called as a great white throne judgment. And the great white throne judgment is for every person from the beginning of time that has rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And the Bible says... At that point in time, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. You see, God has a plan. He's told us what his plan is. He's going step by step by step. And no matter what this old world's going to be doing, he will accomplish what he wants to do. And, of course, at the end of that great white throne judgment, uh, the new heaven and the new earth, where we will live with God Almighty, and Jesus will walk around on this perfected, purified old earth. And it will be heaven forever and forever right here where we're living right now. What a great time that's going to be. You can't get any better than that. That's just not going to just not happen. God says, I got a plan. And there is nobody, nowhere, no how can stop my plan. Why is that? Because God, the Bible says, is sovereign. No one has any say over what he does. He is the Lord most high. He is subject to no one. No one can influence him. He is independent. He does as he pleases. Only as he pleases. Always as he pleases. Everywhere he pleases. Forever as he pleases. There is no one and nothing can stop what he does. No one can hinder him, compel him, slow him down, or stop him. He is sovereign 
God, and he will accomplish his plan no matter what. First Chronicles 29.11 says it this way. He says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and in the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. God says, I am head over all. Psalm 115.3 says it this way. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases. He does. Psalm twenty two twenty eight, For the kingdom of the Lord is the Lord's. He rules over the nations. God's word says he is in control over everything, no matter what people are going to do. God is in control. God is on his throne. God is always on his throne. He rules and reigns over the affairs of man and mankind. Do you believe that? I mean, you look around this old world, you go, ooh. God will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. You know, society doesn't mind if we, uh, if we preach uh, God loves you. I mean, they'll, they'll kind of accept that. You know, society says, you know, you, if you want to, you can preach about God's grace if you want to. That's, that's, that's fairly harmless, if you would. But society says, don't be preaching about God's sovereignty. Don't be preaching about God is in control. Don't be preaching that God's in charge. Don't be preaching about about, uh, God who speaks the truth or the God who has defined right or wrong. Society would say, "Don't don't be preaching those kinds of things because we don't want to hear that kind of stuff. And we're living in a society, are we not today, that that's what they believe. We, we don't want to hear that, that there is a supreme holy God that has said this is truth. This is right and this is wrong. And society said we don't want to hear any of that kind of nonsense. Because you see, the world says what? I'm in control of my life. I want to do what I want to do. I want to make my own decisions. I, want to, I don't want anything. I don't want some some God up there somewhere telling me what to do and cramping my style. And society says, I don't be preaching that kind of stuff. We don't want to hear it because it affects the way we live. And I got to thinking about that. You know, in our generation and most of our generations here, that's what we've been living with, is it not? A society that says we don't really want God in our lives. We don't want God telling us what to do. You know, what was it, 1973, Roe versus Wade, where we legalized abortion, the killing of innocent people. And you see, it's okay for those people that agree with that because, you see, it's my choice. It's my, it's my control of my life. I have control over my body, they will say. And, you know, when we, when we take God out of the equation of anything in our life, they're going to think it's Okay. Murdering innocent people, innocent children is okay because, you see, we don't have God. We don't want God in our lives anymore. We're under the influence now of the transgender agenda, the homosexual agenda. We know what God has said in his word. He said in his word that I've created you in my image. 
I've created you Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. And, 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 and we live in a society that says we don't want to agree with that because that's telling me that I, I have to live a certain way. And, and I don't agree with that certain way. And because they want to take God out of society and we take God out of the equation, for those folks that agree with that, it is okay because they think they can live their life however they want to without any kind of control. And we see God being separated from society. We see God separated from our schools and our education when we said you can't be praying anymore. We don't want you praying in the schools. Now, you can, sure, you can sure learn about Muslim religion. You can sure pray to Allah, whatever that is. You can do all this kind of stuff, but you can't pray in schools. You can't, you can't have an opinion about what's being taught in your schools. We can teach you critical race, but we can't teach you about Christianity. And, and, and we're, we're in that kind of world, and it's because they want to separate the world from, from, from God. And when they do that and we don't put God in the equation, in their minds it's okay because they're going to do what they want to do anyway. What a sad commentary. We live in a world that says we don't need the police anymore. We just need mass confusion. Law and order is out the door, the Bible say, uh, they say. And when you, take, when you take God out of the equation, it's okay. You see, God says where there's, where there's order and when there's discipline, there is, there is peace. But would you take God out of there? And see, we, we, we live in a society now that says we don't need God. We don't need God. We can make our own choices. We make our own calls. We're in control of our lives. We can control our own destiny. Just leave me alone. And we read about God and we see what God says and what he believes. And we go, oh, that never works out, does it? I mean, it never works out when you leave God out of the equation. When you leave God out of your life, it's never going to work. I, I was looking at, at God's Word, and I, and, I, and, I, and I came up with some ideas about, you know, uh, people that, that left God out and did not believe that He was sovereign, that He would do anything about any of those kind of things. And we find out that God is sovereign, but God cannot be mocked. We know that you can't shake your fist at God and get away with it. And I got to thinking about that, and, and, and you thought about uh, the, the people in Noah's day. The Bible says they were living wicked lives. They wanted nothing to do with, with holy God. And, and God told Noah to go build a ship, didn't he? And for 120 years, he and his family pounded on that ship. Put them boards together, put the tar around there, made it, made it waterproof. And every day, those folks would come by Noah and his family making fun of him. What are you doing building that ship? It never even rained. What are you doing? And the Bible says they lived wicked, wicked lives. And at one point, we know what happened. The sovereignty of God said, enough is enough. And he brought the rains. And he saved Noah and his family, but he didn't save anybody else. You see, there's a, there's a day of reckoning when we leave God out of the equation. I thought about Sodom and Gomorrah as they lived in this perverted society. God says enough is enough. And we know the story where he brought fire and brimstone down and destroyed those cities in that, in that area there. And the Bible tells us that he did it for a couple of reasons. One is to bring judgment on, on folks who just rejected him completely. And the second thing it says about why they brought Sodom and Gomorrah down, he says, for a reminder to future generations. I want you to remember, the Bible says, Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what, Jesus, what God did to the Jews when they keep, kept rejecting God, 
kept worshiping other gods, going in all kind of different directions and just rejecting him and rejecting him. And, and, and God told him, said, there's a day coming. I'm sovereign and there's a day coming and you're not going to be able to stop it unless you turn around and repent. And we know what happens. Jerusalem was, was, was massacred and the people were t- sent to Babylon to live for 70 years. God said, you're not going to mock me. I'm sovereign. I do what I want to. And, of course, we know the history of the Jews is not until 1948 when they, were still, when they were finally brought back into a country. Did that just happen? Did that just go, man, they, boy, them Jews got lucky, didn't they? No. Sovereign God said, I've got a plan for you people. And his plan is I'm going to bring you back together in 1948 and, and form a country and put you back where you belong. God is sovereign. He can do what he wants to, when he wants to, whenever he wants to. And he's going to do it. You know, there's a positive side also to the sovereignty of God. It's just not all judgment and, and, and coming down on folks. It's, it's some good things, too. I thought of Joseph. Remember Joseph, don't you? Joseph was a young guy that they, his brother sold into slavery because they thought he was a little bit arrogant. Well, he was probably more than a little bit. But they got rid of him thinking hey, it's the end of him. And, and, and with God's hand, though, the Bible talks about year after year, the Bible says that God was with Joseph. And we know he went from a, a poor slave boy to the second in command in the, of the Egyptian government. And he was the one that was in control of all the food. And when the famine hit, he was the one that doled it out. Okay? Poor slave, second in command. Boy, what a, what a lucky guy. Man, he must have had a lot of breaks in life, you know what? I mean, he sure must have had a lot of breaks. Man, this guy. No. Genesis 50, 21, he's telling his brothers, he says, you know, y'all meant what happened to me for evil. But then a great line, but God meant it for good. You see, God had a plan for Joseph. And it wasn't always going to be easy. It wasn't going to be smooth sailing. But when God is with Joseph and when God is with you and me, he's going to make it turn out like he wants it to turn out. You see, that's a sovereign God who can do that. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God had a plan for my life, he says. And this is what the plan is. Did I agree with it, Joseph would say? No, not all the time. It's been hard most of the time. I spent two years in prison falsely accused. And yet, Joseph never, ever backed away from his trust and his faith in God. And at the end of his life, he said, y'all meant it for evil, but God, my God, meant it for good. We, li- we serve a sovereign God, a loving God. I thought of Moses. Man, how lucky was Moses? Moses is born, and, and the Pharaoh says, man, we're going to kill all you Jewish boys. We're going to wipe you guys out. We don't want, it, want you around anymore. And you know the story. Moses' mother put him in a little cradle, put him in the, in the reeds of the Nile River, and guess who picked him up? Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's wife. She didn't have any kids. Well, now she got one. She adopted Moses. Man, how lucky is Moses. Man, he must be lucky. Man, he must be, he must be living on aces, you know what? And, of course, we know what Moses eventually does. He grows up, does he not? And he leaves the house of Pharaoh. And what does he do? He, he leads the Jewish people out of Egypt. Man, he must have been lucky. And he wasn't lucky. God said, I got a plan for you, Big Mo. And here's what the plan is going to be. You're going to start off slow. You're going to have to go into the desert for 40 years. But, Moses, I got a plan for you. 
And no matter what Pharaoh does, no matter what people do, no matter what they think about you, Moses, I got a plan. And here's the plan. I'm going to execute it. You're going to bring my people out of Egypt. We serve a sovereign God. I thought about Jesus. Pharisees go, we got him. Sadducees, yeah, we got him. The Jewish people said, we're tired of listening to him. And they go arrest him in the garden. And you know what happens to him. They put a crown of thorns on him and beat him half to death. And they nail him to a cross. And he gives his life up. He dies on the cross. And there's dancing and, and carrying on in society and in the devil's domain. We finally got him. We finally got him. We got this Jesus. We shut him up forever. And guess what happened? Three days later, God raises him from the dead. Man, how lucky was he? That wasn't luck, was it? That was God's sovereign plan that he began before the world was formed and said, I'm going to send my son. He's going to die on a cross so that all you folks that I love so much will have an opportunity to spend eternity with me. And in turn, I get to spend eternity with you, God would say. See, God's got a sovereign plan in your life. He had a sovereign plan for Jesus. And we read those stories about those guys in the Bible. And there's so many stories about God's sovereignty as he, as he brings people into, their, into their, their final days of their life. And they look back and say, that, that was God's hand. God is sovereign. You know, Rhonda and I <clears throat> can do the very same thing. And I hope you can too. I hope you're able to see God's hand in, in the way that life is turning out, if you would. I know when we left Clinton first, that's been eight years ago, uh, we went to four other churches just to visit. Four other churches just to visit. None, none of them grabbed us, if you would. So finally, one, one Sunday, Rhonda goes, uh, why don't we go out there to Arapaho? I hear Van's a pretty good preacher. I go, well, okay, we can, but I said, I said, I have no idea where the building is. I don't know where the building is. And for the last three years, God has allowed us to minister here, to be of service here. That just did not happen. That didn't say, boy, you're lucky, Don. Well, I am. But you see, when you look back and you see God's hand in your life, you see the good and the bad that he, he brings you through. And he's bringing you to a certain level in your life. And he's teaching you certain things. And then he's going to move you on to something else. And he's going to move you on to something else. I, in all of my wildest dreams, never would have thought that he would have had me right here today doing what I'm doing right now. But from the beginning of time, he knew. Before, before I was ever thought of, he knew that I would be here. You see, it's a sovereign God. And no matter what I have done in the past... He said, I don't care what you've done in the past. This is my plan for you, and I'm going to execute this plan. And I hope, I hope you can see God's hand in your life, too. I hope you can look back, and as he's pulled you through the good times, and he's pulled you through the difficult times, and you go, man. But each time, he's, he's building you up to be a person more like his son. That's what he wants. And he says, I got this plan for you, and no matter what you're going to do about it, this is what I'm going to do for you. And how does he do that? Because he is sovereign God. 
God is good. He is sovereign. God is in control. He has a plan for your life, and He has a plan for my life. Well, you say, I'm, I'm 86. There's no plan <laughs> that God has for me. Uh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. If you're a member of this church, He has a reason why you're a member of this church. He has a, mem- he has a reason why you're still breathing. He has a reason why I, He wants you here. He has a plan for you, for you to accomplish something even at the age of 90 or the age of 16 or the age of 30. He has a plan that he wants you to do because he is sovereign. What should be our response? When we understand how, how God is so sovereign and he has a plan that he wants to execute. What's our response? We come to him. The Bible calls it the fear of the Lord. And then he also would call it reverent worship. Fear of the Lord is, is, is uh, usually is mis- misdefined, if you would. When the Bible talks about fear of the Lord, it doesn't say, I want you to be scared of me. I don't want to, to, uh, this fear to paralyze you, to stop what you're doing. The fear of the Lord is none of that. You're not supposed to be scared of the Lord. You're not supposed to walk around with your head down thinking, God's mad at me all the time and he's going he's gonna. to. That's not the fear of the Lord. One of the things that the fear of the Lord, the Bible tells us, is a reverent worship of holy God. Reverent worship of holy God. It's knowing that God is sovereign. It's knowing that God is in control. And it's knowing that God has, has complete charge of everything that's going on in your life. The fear of the Lord is an awe of holy God and awe of holy God wow holy God it is a respect that you have for wow holy God who controls the universe the fear of the Lord is a strong desire to be obedient to him a strong desire to be obedient to holy God. You see, there's different stages of obedience in there. <laughs> no, I ain't going to do it. No. I, I, I will if I have to. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. When it's convenient, I'll, I'll be obedient. Okay, okay, I get it, God. I'll, I'll do it. Or, I have a passion to be obedient to you, Father. There's a difference in all those. Did you know it? Yeah, I can do it. Yeah, I will. But I think he wants more than that. I think he wants us to have a passion to be obedient I think he wants us to have a passion where when he says, I want you to love the unlovable. Yeah, that's what I want you to do. And I want you to have that passion for that person who does not need to be loved, does not want to be loved, probably doesn't even deserve it. But he says, I want you to have a passion to be obedient because I told you so. That's what I want. When we have a passion to forgive the unforgivable why would I ever want to have a desire to be obedient when, when that person doesn't deserve obedience? 
Well, sovereign God said what? Yeah, you're going to. I want you to. Well, okay, I guess. Or your word said it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to have a passion about it. Obedience. Because, see, when we have a passion of obedience, we understand. We understand what God thinks of sin. Did you know that? What does God think of sin? He hates it. He hates sin. Let me rephrase that. He hates sin. And as a Christian, we are called to have the same attitude towards sin that holy God has. We hate sin. And when he tells us, this is how I want you to live your life, this is what I want you to do, and I, he's asking us for, to be obedient, it means that we've got to have that same attitude that God has. And that is to hate sin and to seek him with, with all of our might and all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. See, that's, that's fear in the Lord when we desire to be obedient. It's bowing down to, to him with our heart and our heads, knowing that he is holy, sovereign God, all-powerful God, and we are not the one that's in control of the universe. We bow down before him. It's submitting your will to God's will. God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. Whatever you want, God, for me to do, that's what I want to do. That's fear of the Lord. That's submitting your life to him. Okay? That's finding out what he wants you to do, and you go, do it. It's fear of the Lord is trusting God during the good times and the bad times. And it's trusting God in the good times and the bad times. How easy is it to trust him in the good times? But where do we learn most of life's lessons, spiritual lessons? It's not in the good times. It's not on the mountaintop. It's in the valley. When we have to go seek him and we have to go search for him and we have to pray and we have to keep praying. And there's days when we act like I don't even, God doesn't hear me and I got to keep praying and I got to keep digging and I got to keep seeking And when we do that, guess what's happening to us? Our heart's changing, our mind's changing, and we are seeking after God. And God says, I will bless that, and I will help you with that. It's trusting Him during the good and the bad. The fear of the Lord is knowing, knowing that God can change the worst sinner into the best saint. It's knowing that God can take this person who, who, who hates God, has nothing to do with God, can take him and change him from the inside out. Take that old, cold, hardened heart and give him a warm, now pumping heart of love and change him from one that was headed straight for the pits of hell to one that has a mansion in heaven. See, the fear of the Lord says, I know my God can do that. And I trust him that he can do that. And I've got some people that I know, and I've got to be praying for those folks because if they don't, it's not going to end up pretty. You see, the fear of the Lord says, I know God without a shadow of that. You can change that person. And I'm going to keep praying for that person. Once, twice, three times, a thousand times, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. I'm going to keep praying, knocking on the door of heaven, saying, God, I'm going to pray for that person. Remember, God, I need him saved before he goes into eternity. That's fearing of the Lord. 
Those are some of the things that we should respond when we understand that God is sovereign, that God has a plan, that there's no one bigger, no one has control over God. That's how we respond. Because God is sovereign, we are not living in an aimless universe. Because God is sovereign, we are not spinning on a doomed planet. I don't care how many, how many news reports we get that, that the next meteorite that's going to come is going to hit the earth. The asteroid, asteroid that's coming is going to zap us. No. Guess who controls the path of that asteroid, that meteorite, that thing in heaven that's coming at us? God does. He's sovereign. Don't, be, don't believe the National Enquirer. Okay, guys, what it tells you that. Because God is sovereign, we are, we are not living a meaningless life. If you have been born again and you are a Christian, your life is not meaningless. Your life has a purpose. Your life has now a plan that God has, has put in place. Your life now has a passion for the things of God. Your life now says, I, am, I have influence over other people. I'm not living in meanness. My life has meaning because I have been born again. And I'm a child of the king. I have been chosen. I've been adopted. I've been forgiven. I have been sealed for eternity. That's who I am. I don't have a meaningless life. My life means something because God Almighty and His Holy Spirit is living in my heart. We don't live in a meaningless life. Because God is sovereign, we are not dying a hopeless death. For all those folks that never have been born again, yeah, they're dying a hopeless death. There's no hope for those who are not in Christ. But for us who are been born again, we are not dying a hopeless life. We have, we have a promise, we have an inheritance that is in Second Peter tells us that it is protected by holy God. And no one can snatch us out of the Father's hand. We don't live a hopeless death. We have an exciting future living with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for an eternity. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's good stuff right there. That's exciting stuff. Because of God, God is sovereign, we're not riding on a runaway, runaway train. God controls the gas pedal. God controls the brake. God is in control. And whatever happens, we can depend and trust on Him. We trust Him. We trust His timing. We trust His promises. And we stand on those promises, don't we? You see, God is holy. God is good. God is faithful. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is unchanging. God is sovereign. That's who we worship, that holy God. David Jeremiah told, a, told this story about the sovereignty of God. Kind of an example. I, I hope I get it, get it right. <laughs> give it to you. David Jeremiah said, I, you know, I, he, he boarded a ship. He was going on a cruise. He was going on a cruise and, and uh, got the cruise booked. And, and uh, they wanted him to lead a Bible study. So he said, sure, I'll lead a, lead a Bible study. That's, I'd love to do that. And he got on board the ship, and he looked around, and he, he saw some of those folks that would be coming on the Bible study, and they were, you know, excited about the Bible study. And then there's, there's all those other folks that were on the, on the cruise ship, you know, just going to have a good time, you know. 
relax and do a little drinking and have a little fun and just, you know, just be kind of in control of their vacation time. Just doing their thing, just living life. Uh, then, he, then he said, I thought about the captain who was in charge of the ship. And, uh, and he said, you know, that captain, no matter what these folks are doing, you know, going to Bible study or just having fun or doing whatever they're going to do, whatever, whatever they're doing. He said, you know, that captain has a responsibility to, to leave that dock on time and to get that ship on time where, wherever they're going. No matter what was going on in the, in the lives of those, those people on that ship, the captain who was in control said, I'm going to get you to your next destination. No matter how rough the seas are, no matter how easy it is, no matter if there's a storm there, I'm going to get you to the next destination. And he said, you know, I thought about that. And he said, that's just like the sovereignty of God. He said, you know, there's, there's folks out there that are, that are going to want to go to the Bible study. Okay. Uh, there's folks out there that could care less about a Bible study. They're in control of their life. They're going to do their own thing. They don't want to have anything to do with God. But the captain, God, no matter no matter what we're doing out there, no matter what the, the people on the ship are doing, no matter what people are in life, no matter whatever they're doing, he said God is sovereign and he will take the ship where it needs to go when it needs to go. That's the sovereignty of God. Why? Because God is in control and God has a plan and God wants to enact that plan in our lives. God does as he pleases only as he pleases, always as he pleases, everywhere he pleases, and forever as he pleases. God is sovereign. God is in control. God is in charge. And no matter what the world says, no matter what governments say, his plan will be carried out to the perfect letter. Trish, as we begin our time, Do you ever stop and think about how that God really is sovereign? That there is nothing that can stop his plan of action in this whole world? And when we get to the point in our lives that we understand that, our response is, man, we've got we to gotta worship him. We've got to praise him. We've got we to gotta go, God, I, show me your hand in my life, God, so I can see your hand. So I know what you're doing in my life, God. So I can praise you because of it. And look back on that life and go, well, yeah, I I see God. I see what he did from here to here to here to here to right now. And what do you do? You praise him. You thank him for that. As we begin our invitation time, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, please. I don't know how God has spoke to you. But I know God speaks. And how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of people. I just want you to know that God loves you. I want you to know that Jesus died for you. I want you to know that if you just accept Him as Lord and Savior, you can have eternal life with Him and live for Him forever and forever. If you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, today would be a good day to do that. If God has spoken any other way, just... just, uh, to you just uh, do what God tells you to do praise him if you will as a piano plays